don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. What is up, crew? Welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. Um, sorry about our week and a half long break there, or maybe even two weeks now. I don't know. It's it pretty lengthy break. I was uh, the wife and I, the whole family. We were all doing a ton of traveling, and we were in and out. And I really just did not have any time to seriously sit down and devote in front of the microphone, um, or at least not time that didn't have ten people in the house, which just means there's no no recording is going to happen. Um, so. Uh, I was not able to get an uh, episode out, but I hope nobody thought that I was abandoning the show because of that. Uh, just a little bit of holiday break there. I hope everybody else's uh, Christmas and New Year's was awesome. And now that we are ushering in 2019, it's time to jump back into this. And we are going to hit the ground running because I have uh, collected a ton of articles and stuff over the holiday break because all I had able to devote to this was a couple of Twitter posts and uh, uh, scouring through articles and stuff to read uh, on my phone. So I've got a long list of articles uh, to tackle and ideas and stuff that I'm working on uh, for the uh, website. Um, If you've been to the website recently, again, CryptoEconomy.life, I've made a lot of changes to the website um, style-wise, and um, uh, those changes are continually happening. Um, I'm working on a little bit every night and just publishing pages individually. Run into a couple of little problems, but I think they'll get sorted out soon. And I have gone through and organized by um, the collections, the the playlists that I want them in. I've very close to 200 of my 220 or so episodes. Um, So those should be on the horizon too. And I've decided with everything that I've got lined up right now, I'm going to stop adding things to my plate and I'm going to go through and finish all of the things that I've got half finished right now. So uh, a lot to come with the website. Uh, Stay tuned, everybody, with that. Um, We are jumping right back into this. And today we are going to hit a quick read. Um, But real quick before we jump into this one, uh, it's titled Bitcoin is a Decentralized Organism, and it's by Brandon Quittam. And it's a really great piece, um, uh, very much in line with Dan Held's uh, Planting Bitcoin series. Uh, and it's just, it's just a, it's a beautiful argument, and I've always loved the concept of Bitcoin as an organism um, because it does have... Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jump too much into it. We'll, we'll hit this afterward. But real quick, let's talk about anchor.fm. And without further ado, let's jump into detail into today's quick read. Um, it is titled Bitcoin is a decentralized organism. Mycelium, part one of three. And I actually don't, I didn't actually didn't check if he has, I know the second part is out because I started reading it. Um, but at least I think it's out. He's still got part one on the uh, uh, on his page here. Let's find out. Let's check real quick. I didn't do a very good job. Okay, yeah, Bitcoin is a social creature, part two of three. Okay, and I might be doing all three of these on the show because um, I really love this analogy. 
Um, it's it's a, a way I've been thinking of Bitcoin for quite a while, actually, um, particularly how it grows and evolves. And uh, he seemed really open about this. He was like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love for you to read it on the show. Um, and I'll be linking to all of his stuff. So if y'all want to go ahead and dig into part two and or part three when that one is released, um, uh, definitely do that. But I think we will be eventually hitting it on the show uh, uh, a little bit after he actually releases the article. Um, and I'll be, I'll be retweeting them when they actually come out. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but yeah, without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump into this one. And we will talk about it afterward because I've always loved this idea. So here we have... Bitcoin is a decentralized organism, mycelium, part one of three. Forward. First, I need to give credit to Dan Held for publishing his four-part series comparing Bitcoin's origin to planting a tree. While I loved his series, I believe a more robust analogy is comparing Bitcoin to fungi. If you're new to this topic, strap in. It is my honor to initiate you into the fascinating world of fungi. Polymathic Responsibility Just as Satoshi combined separate disciplines to stitch together a Franken technology we call Bitcoin, it is my belief that each of us have the responsibility to explore our unique cross-sections of knowledge. Here's my exploration of fungi and Bitcoin. The parallels are astounding. Introduction Bitcoin appears superficially simple upon first glance. However, truly understanding the system is a daunting task. Intellectual traps exist along the way, tricking observers into making hasty assumptions. I liken the pursuit of understanding Bitcoin to a mountain climber continually reaching false peaks that momentarily fool the climber into thinking they've reached the actual summit. As soon as you think you have Bitcoin figured out, you discover how little you actually know, the false peak. Competing narratives make it even more challenging. Magic internet money, speculative mania, fintech revolution, Bitcoin boils the oceans, rat poison squared, libertarian idealism, digital gold, apex predator of monetary media, and Gordian knot of interlocking incentives, etc. To make matters more complicated, Bitcoin is a living system constantly changing based on environmental stimuli. True understanding is a moving target unlikely to ever be hit. Attempting to answer the question, what is Bitcoin, I found exploring parallels to the natural world to be particularly illuminating. In particular, some of Bitcoin's best characteristics are simply reflections of successful evolutionary strategies found in nature, specifically in the fungi kingdom. Fungi are predominantly made up of mycelium, an underground decentralized intelligence network described by Paul Stamets as Earth's natural internet. Quote, I believe that mycelium is the neurological network of nature. Interlacing mosaics of mycelium infuse habitats with information-sharing membranes. These membranes are aware, react to change, and collectively have the long-term health of the host environment in mind. 
The mycelium stays in constant molecular communication with its environment, devising diverse enzymatic and chemical responses to complex challenges. End quote. Paul Stamets, Mycelium Running, How Mushrooms Can Help Save the World. In this essay, I'm going to explore the similarities between fungi and Bitcoin in three parts, each representing a different stage in the life cycle of common fungi. Part 1. Bitcoin as a Decentralized Network Architecture, Mycelium. Part 2. Bitcoin as a Social Phenomenon, Mushrooms. And Part 3. Bitcoin as a Catalyst for Human Evolution, Reproduction and Sporulation. Introduction to Fungi. And then at the beginning he has a link to a Paul Stamets uh, TED Talk, Six Ways Mushrooms Can Save the World. Fungi are in their own separate kingdom, just like plants and animals. There are more fungi species than plants and animals combined. Animals are more closely related to fungi than we are to plants. Both fungi and animals inhale oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide. Plants produce their own food through photosynthesis, autotrophic, while animals and fungi must find their own food, heterotrophic. Animals evolved to have internal stomachs and brains, whereas fungi pursued external stomachs and brains. Fungi fact number one. Humans share over 50% of their DNA with fungi. Scientists proposed a new superkingdom called Apistacon, combining fungi and animals. Fungi can take many forms. Most organize in an underground root structure called mycelium that's found nearly everywhere on this planet. When conditions are right, fungi produce mushrooms which then release spores or seeds that attempt to colonize life in a nearby location. Mushrooms are simply the reproductive organ. Mushrooms are to the mycelium what apples are to a tree. Fungi are paramount to life on Earth. First, the largest organism on our planet is a fungal network. Fungi are the best chemists on our planet. Much of our medicine comes from fungi. Trees cannot survive without underground fungal allies. Fungi have been around for 1.3 billion years, surviving all five great extinction events. And fungi are capable of saving the bees. Fungi are decentralized intelligence networks. Fungal networks don't have a centralized brain. Instead, they have a one-cell-walled root system called mycelium. This underground stomach and distributed intelligence network is capable of sending information bidirectionally over long distances and even across species lines. These fungal networks constantly evolve based on feedback from their environment. At any one point, a fungal network contains millions of endpoints, each searching for food, defending their territory, or inventing new molecules to subvert their competition other fungi, bacteria, etc. 
These networks form a decentralized consensus on how to use resources, when to reproduce, and what strategy best defends the organism. This mirrors the decentralized consensus, or social contract, formed in Bitcoin. Nodes determine what software they wish to run and enforce the consensus rules they support accordingly. Miners determine which transactions to include in blocks. Exchanges, wallets, and merchants each steward large groups of users. Each participant in Bitcoin voluntarily chooses how they wish to participate, and the aggregate consensus represents the network. Decentralized networks are older than humanity. Decentralized networks have existed long before humans were around. In fact, fungi have been successfully implementing such systems for 1.3 billion years, making them the most successful kingdom on our planet. Besides fungi, there are several examples of distributed network archetypes found throughout nature. Mycelium, dark matter, neurons, the internet, etc. Clearly this strategy works, otherwise nature wouldn't insist on replicating it. When seen in the context of this long history of the decentralized network archetype, the advent of decentralized digital money seems less novel and more inevitable. The decentralized network archetype is Lindy. During a billion years of evolution, fungi have become masters of survival. Fungi are uniquely adaptive and continue surviving mass extinction events. 65 million years ago, a giant asteroid hit our planet, killing most life, including the dinosaurs on our planet. The impact created a cloud of smoke so thick that it blocked sunlight from reaching the Earth's surface for many years. Without sunlight, plants died off and with them most animals. Fungi, however, do not rely on sunlight to survive. They can adapt quickly and can find their own food. After each extinction event, fungi inherit the earth and slowly rebuild until conditions stabilize and life can continue again. Bitcoin will become the most successful monetary species because it's decentralized, adapts relatively quickly, finds its own food, unmet demand, and doesn't need government support. In the event of a mass monetary extinction, Bitcoin will inherit the earth. Japanese government versus the humble slime mold. Whether it's central banks trying to steer the economy or hierarchical corporations trying to maximize value in the information age, central planning has many flaws. When making decisions in the information economy, decentralized or flat organizations are more effective. They resist corruption, minimize bureaucracy, and push decision-making to the extremities where individuals or nodes have the most up-to-date information about the problem at hand. Let's take a look at the Tokyo subway system to illustrate the power of decentralized networks. Scientists conducted an experiment where an ancient fungus, slime mold, was incentivized to recreate the Tokyo subway system. Each subway stop, node, was marked with the slime mold's favorite food, oat flakes. 
After a short while, the slime mold grew to connect all the nodes or stops in a more efficient design than the centrally planned committee of engineers hired by the Japanese government. From the abstract, quote, Transport networks are ubiquitous in both social and biological systems. Robust network performance involves a complex trade-off involving cost, transport efficiency, and fault tolerance. Biological networks have been honed by many cycles of evolutionary selection pressure and are likely to yield reasonable solutions to such combinatorial optimization problems. Furthermore, they develop without centralized control and may represent a readily scalable solution for growing networks in general. We show that the slime mold Fusarium polycephalum forms networks with comparable efficiency, fault tolerance, and cost to those of real-world infrastructure networks, in this case, the Tokyo Rail System. The core mechanisms needed for adaptive network formation can be captured in a biologically inspired mathematical model that may be useful to guide network construction in other domains. End quote. When you think of the cost and complexities involved in such an infrastructure project, it's quite sobering to realize a slime mold can design a better network in a single day. Satoshi understood the power of the slime mold. Bitcoin is a non-sovereign monetary good that pushes complexity and decision-making to the edge, just like fungi. Over time, this free market decentralization allows Bitcoin to outcompete various legacy financial systems who have little skin in the game, suffer from the innovator's dilemma, become more fragile over time, and often drown in bureaucracy, or worse. Life without a centralized point of failure. Mycelium has no central point of control. Any individual part can be removed, but the system as a whole survives. Bitcoin functions the same way, as any one developer, node, miner, exchange, or user may be vulnerable, yet not crucial for its survival. No one to jail, no one to shut down, no essential hardware to seize. Anytime one attacks Bitcoin or mycelium but don't successfully kill it, the system gets stronger. Quote, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Omar Little, The Wire Nation states and central banks face a paradoxical challenge. If they attempt to destroy their competition, they'll highlight the very need for Bitcoin in the first place. And yet, the longer they wait, the stronger Bitcoin becomes. Hardened from Hostility both mycelium and Bitcoin endure in the most competitive ecosystems on our planet and must constantly adapt in order to survive. They have skin in the game and become hardened from hostility. Fungi are in a 24-7 competitive environment, constantly fighting little underground battles against various bacteria, microbes, and competing fungi. If one mycelial node senses a predator or prey, it sends information to the mushroom scientists, who then create a new enzyme to target the predator or prey. 
the fungal network distributes this new enzyme where needed. Over time, the fungi develops a chemical library that acts both as a robust immune system and improves its ability as a predator, enabling greater ecological success. It's no wonder fungi can survive anywhere and continue to maintain dominance on our planet. Fungi are anti-fragile. Fungi fact number two. As humans, we benefit from medicinal compounds created by fungi, most famously penicillin, which came from an accidental discovery by Alexander Fleming. Penicillin has been used to combat bacterial epidemics that historically have decimated human populations. Since the discovery of penicillin, our population has tripled. Bitcoin responds to its environment in a similar manner. As bugs, threats, or opportunities are found in the system, information travels to the Bitcoin scientists, or developers, who create an enzyme, a software patch, and this update propagates through the system. This enables greater ecological success for Bitcoin, too. Bitcoin is anti-fragile. Both fungi and Bitcoin harden their defenses over time and learn to consume new food sources. This has a compounding effect, increasing anti-fragility as well as life expectancy over time. In one extreme case, let's take a look at the largest organism on our planet the honey mushroom, Armillaria sp. Found in the Blue Mountains in eastern Oregon, this single organism is over 2.4 miles, or 3.8 kilometers across. It's estimated to be between 1,900 and 8,650 years old, and is currently consuming an entire forest. Dealing with Competition Fungal networks steal competitive advantages from their neighbors in the form of genetic information, just like Bitcoin absorbs competitive advantages displayed by altcoins. There is a misguided belief in which some people assume that altcoins will implement cool new features that will eventually outcompete Bitcoin. The opposing camp believes that Bitcoin will eventually absorb all the best features after they've been tested in the market, which makes alternative currencies unable to compete over the long term. I stand in this camp. Let's take a look at how fungi approach their competition. First, we need to understand some basic genetics. Genes are typically passed down from parent to offspring in what's known as vertical gene transfer. Interestingly, fungi perform horizontal gene transfer, effectively slurping up genetic information from different species competing in the same ecosystem. Fungi take what works from other species that compete in the same ecosystem. This phenomenon can be observed by examining, quote, dung-loving, who are more closely related to each other than their genetic ancestors. This process of horizontal gene transfer, demonstrated by fungi, foreshadows the future state where Bitcoin integrates any proven ideas produced by altcoins at large. For example, combining the Lightning Jewel browser extension with a node, launch your own, use Casa, or otherwise, enables microtransactions through your browser. This effectively eliminates the need for tokens like BAT. 
You could even make the argument that Bitcoin has been performing horizontal gene transfer since Satoshi first combined technologies used in previous attempts at electronic cash systems, such as Hashcash, eGold, etc. Arbitrage, Incentives, and Finding Their Place in Ecology Fungi perform two ecological roles on this planet. They recycle all matter into base elements and act as our planet's immune system. Quote, Mycelia are the grand disassemblers of nature. End quote. Paul Stamets. Fungi spend their days quietly decomposing organic matter. They transform rocks, branches, leaf litter, dead animals, and oil spills into their base elements, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, etc. Then fungi trade these valuable elements with nearby organisms. Fungi fact number three. Our forest would be buried in hundreds of feet of leaves and branches if fungi didn't decompose them and redistribute the nutrients. In other words, fungi unlock stranded resources. A tree cannot reuse its own leaves or branches, as the carbon, nitrogen, and phosphorus are locked in an unusable form. Fungi exploit arbitrage opportunities in their ecosystem. Bitcoin, through its proof-of-work mechanism, unlocks stranded resources in the form of energy. Before we tackle Bitcoin, let's explore a fascinating historical example, how aluminum was used to export stranded renewable energy from a country like Iceland. Iceland produces renewable geothermal energy, often in remote places. This leads to an excess supply that cannot reach the demand. Energy does not travel well over long distances. Iceland took advantage of their excess energy by producing aluminum, which is a very energy-intensive process. Iceland effectively turns excess energy into a durable store of value, aluminum, which can be exported. Bitcoin does the same thing. Instead of stranded energy dying on the vine, producers can mine Bitcoin or just sell excess energy to miners. This too enables excess energy production to be turned into a durable store of value. The second-order effect is that Bitcoin is effectively subsidizing renewable energy projects. To explore this concept in depth, check out Dan Held's article, Proof of Work is Efficient. Fungi fact number four. Fungi eating rocks is the main reason we have topsoil. Topsoil enables us to grow food. It took fungi over a billion years to produce just the roughly 18 inches of topsoil that we have today. Fungi and Bitcoin are ecological immune systems. Fungi are the immune systems for both the ecosystems in which they live and the planet at large. Fungi produce medicinal compounds and protect their ecosystems through complex symbiotic relationships. Fungi broker resources underground, via mycelium, between species to ensure the health of the entire ecosystem. In crude terms, the fungi mine minerals underground for trees in exchange for sugars, or food, that the tree produces through photosynthesis. 
trees get increased protection from invaders and crucial minerals which they cannot find on their own. Ever wonder why the baby oak tree can survive on a forest floor where it receives no sunlight? Each organism participating in this shared incentive system improves the evolutionary fitness of the forest. I believe forests are living superorganisms consisting of a variety of different species. Bitcoin performs a similar ecological role. Tweet by Anthony Pompliano. Bitcoin is the Internet's response to the fraud and corruption of the legacy financial system. Just a matter of time before the real disruption begins. End tweet. The market sends signals for Bitcoin to create features that satisfy unmet demands or improve security as new threats emerge. Point. Block space demand increases above capacity. Lightning Network is born. China cracks down on exchanges. LocalBitcoins.com flourishes. As Venezuela, Turkey, and Argentina hyperinflate their currency, Bitcoin steps in as a non-sovereign store of value. Blockstream launches satellites able to broadcast Bitcoin transactions to mitigate catastrophic events. You could even make the case that Bitcoin acts as humanity's immune system, helping fight off cancerous governments, rent-seeking businesses, central bank seniorage, debasement of the monetary supply, and even one of humanity's tragic faults, greed. Positive Feedback Loop Bitcoin also benefits from the aligned incentives between users, full nodes, miners, exchanges, and merchants. As Bitcoin better adapts to its environment, it better meets the demands of its growing constituents, which in turn recruits more network participants. This positive feedback loop promotes sustained growth of the network. Like the honey mushroom consuming entire forests in Oregon, Bitcoin is getting bigger and stronger over time. Conclusion Did you enjoy this? Part 2 is coming out soon, where I will examine Bitcoin as a social phenomenon. Bitcoin is hard to pin down. Is it a technology? A get-rich-quick scheme? New Age religion? Payment rails? Or is it primarily a social system? Superorganism made of individually replaceable cells that share aligned incentives? Join me as we explore these questions through the lens of fungi in Part 2. Follow me here on Medium and Twitter to be notified when Part 2 is released. Fungi Fact number 5. I wrote most of this essay while consuming medicinal mushrooms used for cognitive enhancement. Lion's mane, shaga, and cordyceps. Thanks for reading. Brandon. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that one. This is, again, Bitcoin is a Decentralized Organism. Mycelium, part one of three, by Brandon Quittem. And again, I will, uh, I will definitely be uh, tagging him on Twitter and uh, linking to the Medium page as well so that you can follow him in both locations. And there are a number of really cool graphics on this page. Um, so I would definitely go drop some applause on the article and then check out the images that go with it. The slime mold redesigning the Tokyo subway system is really cool. Um, the, there's an image of, uh, 
And this is from evolveandascend.com. So they probably go a little uh, universal out there. But it, sometimes that stuff is really, really fun. But it's a, it's a really interesting comparison between the organization of seemingly completely separate things. Uh, the, uh, from the left, they've got a, a human heart and the arteries, capillaries, and veins that branch off from that. Um, then a, a whole series of lightning strikes um, exposed in a storm, then the human brain, then uh, mycelium, then roots from a tree, uh, the aerial view of the Grand Canyon, branches from a tree, and then the cosmic web of the universe. Just, It's really cool to me to see how entirely separate things can organize themselves almost identically. Like they use almost the exact same patterns of uh, movement and expansion as just just energy does out in the universe or, or lightning traveling through the sky truly behaves and branches exactly the same way as hearts and as uh, capillaries and veins do from your heart um, and uh, when you're trying to get really I love getting really far out there when I'm thinking about like uh, the I just recently read um, or just finished um Oh, man, The Selfish Gene by uh, Richard Dawkins. And he talked about um, uh, how uh, it's possible there are organisms that are actually symbiotic relationships between a parasite, where a parasite was actually actually became symbiotic to the organism, um, keeping the organism alive or giving it some additional function um, in order to protect the parasite. And then the parasite grew to be unable to survive without the organism that um, it had attached itself to. And then it became fully symbiotic and actually is passed down through generations. So it becomes one organism and we don't think about it um, or it doesn't it doesn't appear that way. Um, and that it's possible that organ organs themselves, some organs or even neurological networks um, could very possibly have been at some point a extended evolutionary tree of parasitic or like a symbiotic relationship between, you know, even something like a bacterial or fungal infection. And I've always, I've always loved this analogy because our networks, human networks behave so much like organisms in and of themselves. Um, And uh, centralized networks always seem to grow and then collapse in a very, very short time span. Uh, like they have very short lives, and it's interesting. It looks it, it's it's funny. It's almost as if we're seeing evolution of this new type of decentralized organism, and we're watching centralization fail, and we're seeing the push and need to move to decentralized systems that can constantly adapt and always be uh, essentially have that power of survival that central centralized organisms do not have because they will never have the longevity with a single point of failure because it's just too vulnerable. Inevitably, something, some change in the environment, some uh, a vulnerability of human corruption, whatever it is in this network, is going to cause it to collapse or bloat and uh, get imbalanced until it can no longer sustain itself. And a decentralized a decentralized network does not have that problem because that's not how it evolves. If it's imbalanced, the imbalance is fixed at the edge. It's it's solved, it, it's solved at the node level, not at a central point of control. 
Um, and it, it's so it's, I've just I've always loved this analogy, and I thought this was a really good. There's a bunch of cool facts about uh, fungi that I did not know about um, when I read this, and I was like, oh my god, this is so fun, so much fun. Um, so we're definitely going to be uh, hitting part two and hopefully part three. Um, but again, I, uh, I said I don't think I'm going to do it um, too soon. I'm going to give it a little bit of time so that uh, we can wait for part three to come out so we don't hit these, um, you know, part one and part two right next to each other. And then you have to wait for a couple of weeks for part three. But if you want to get a head start, you can follow the Medium link to Brandon Quittam's Medium page and read part two um, because, well, I haven't finished it, but um, I started reading into it and it's going to be another fun one. Uh, and I definitely want to hit that one on the show. Um, all right. Uh, I think I think we'll go ahead and stop this here. Um, this one took a little bit longer than I thought, and I am very, very low on time here, so I'm going to go ahead and just close this up. Um, do not forget to check out the website where um, I am always doing a lot of work, posting and updating and um, putting all the new content up there. So I've always got a bunch of stuff coming with that. So check out cryptoeconomy.life. That's where you find all this stuff and all my social media links and everything there. Uh, so there's, God, we've got 220, 30 episodes now, um, on this. And you can also check out the website on anchor.fm slash the crypto economy. Um, uh, so for anybody who's new to this show or hasn't been here for very long, there is an ocean of stuff and I'm, I'm working hard on the back end to make this, uh, uh, organized and easily accessible because I know it's really hard to sort through an entire a list of 230 episodes and figure out which ones you want to listen to. Um, but I got a lot of fun stuff happening, so don't forget to check out the website at CryptoEconomy.life where you'll see those playlists and collections as I get those released. Um, all right, guys, uh, I think that'll be it. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at the Crypto Economy. Um, all my other social medias and stuff uh, as I get the website updated will all be posted up there so they should be easy to find and uh don't forget to follow brandon quittam and check out the links and drop some applause on his article i will catch you all next time on another episode of the crypto economy podcast thanks for joining me guys hope you have a wonderful night and i'll talk to you later take it easy guys Thank you.